Hi guys. Hi guys. Welcome back to the Digital Marketing Babes podcast. This week we're going to be chatting about the marketing jargon. One thing we're really passionate about is making marketing accessible for all. And all of these terms are used by marketers and they're great, but we always need to take the time to define what they actually are. So what's the first one, Amber? Well, this jargon is causing quite the quite the conundrum. Is it Sostack or Sostack? Who the stack knows? I think it's Sostack. That's how I've pronounced it before. My mum says, if you can't say it, don't eat it. So, um, I don't eat this. <laughs> so, situation. <laughs> Where are we now? Objectives. Where do we want to be? Strategy. How do we get there? Tactics. How exactly do we get there? Action. What is our plan? control. Did we get there? Alice, tell me, what scenarios would marketers use Sostack, the Sostack model in their day-to-day job? First of all, you said that incredibly. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. So I think marketers should use the Sostack model to help frame their strategy when they're writing it. And this is something that I did when I was working doing paid media campaigns. Someone would come to me internally and say, hey, we have £10,000 and we want to do Facebook and Google ads. And then I would write a strategy using the Sostack model to like format it so you provide like situational analysis which would include in your background you'd have a table in the top as well with your objectives and like what you're going to measure then the strategy bit is like what you're actually going to do so you're going to use Facebook advertising you know how much budget you're going to put on that and how much budget you're going to put into Google I guess that would also fit into tactics so maybe that would be like your audiences the keywords your action to the plan so that would be like an overview launch dates things like that and then for control so that would be at the end your measurement in terms of that how I would put that into a strategy is I would just define how I'm going to be measuring so using Google Analytics Facebook insights and things like that very very long-winded but that's how I've used it before and how I would recommend for marketers to use it what about you Amber have you used the Sostep model no that's that then (laughs) Well, the thing is, I've used all of these elements before, but I've never used it as the the, the jargon. <laughs> I think that's the thing with this. When I was looking at these marketing terms, we know what these are instinctively, but like I think we rarely think about what they actually mean. But some organisations might like actually openly talk about them. Like, can you write it in the Sostack model or... When I did my Chartered Institute of Marketing qualification, these are the kind of things they included, you know, like learning about the Sostack model and you had to know it. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, like my workplace is going to expect me to know all of this, blah, blah, blah. I haven't thought about Sostack in about three years. Yeah, Sostack. So Amber, should we move on to the next bit of marketing jargon? All right. So the next one we have is KPI, which is a part of our jingle. KPI SEO. What is it that you don't don't know? know. (laughs) (laughs) So KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator. And marketers look at KPIs to track the progress toward their marketing goals. And successful marketers constantly evaluate their performance against industry standard metrics. Examples would include a specific engagement rate or cost per acquisition. Did you know that, Alice? I did. 
So, Emma, do you have any examples of KPIs that you measure in your job? And can you explain why they're important to measure? Um, yeah, so just a few random ones that we measure. Uh, there are more. So conversions, we measure site traffic, the CTR or the OR. <laughs> Some more jargon there for you guys. So CTR, click-through rate, OR, open rate. You're welcome. We measure the KPIs because it's really important because it's how you really measure success as a marketer. And you'll use these KPIs in almost every situation um, because you're going to need to attract success for both short and long-term campaigns and goals. And so are you just tracking the number of conversions or do you have targets against these? Yeah, no, we're tracking them. Um, I feel like we don't have targets yet because the whole team is just so new. I mean, we're not a new team, but yeah doesn't make sense but in my head it makes sense as in I am the new digital marketer and then on Monday my manager starts and then obviously as the like marketing director and stuff so I feel like it's just gonna be a big shake up now in a good way so at the moment no but I can I can bet we will in the future um I think that's the like the the difference you could your key performance indicator would be conversions and each week each month you might just be like looking at that metric and seeing how it's performing and maybe how it's performing across different channels. Um, and then you may want to go more granular by setting targets. So um, knowing that maybe summer is a quiet period, so you would have lower targets in comparison to Christmas or whatever that might be. And you can kind of set your targets and then you can really like define your success by that. Let's talk about the, I'm going to say this wrong also, Ada model. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that's how I have pronounced it before. (laughs) Uh, Yes, so that's right. Uh, It's the Ada model. So it stands for attention, interest, desire, action. And basically this is like the funnel. And again, all marketers know about funnels or if you're a fan of HubSpot, they have changed it and they call it the the marketing flywheel, which is a weird way of saying like, oh, it's not a funnel because a customer is always going to interact with your brand. And this is where maybe I've got it confused with Hootsuite. Oh, I don't like the word flywheel though. Don't you? I don't really get it. Like, why can't they just call it a wheel or a circle of life? <laughs> Literally. Marketing wheel, marketing funnel. Yeah. So let's go through the Ada model and give some examples for the listeners. The first one stands for attracting attention. So this essentially means your product or service must attract a customer's attention in some way. And this is done via their their advertising. So whether this is on organic social, whether this is based on an ad that they've seen, or uh, if it's in print in the magazine, sensational IGTV, all these kind of things that just need to pique interest. From an advertising perspective, this would mean that a user hovers over your content. So what happens is when a user positively interacts, so they stay on your ad a little longer for Facebook to understand that they've probably read the text or they've watched a bit of the video, you can then retarget those users. So that interest is actually really helpful because it's for you as a brand kind of building up your custom audience that you can communicate with in future. Amber, what is the next step of the Ada model? 
love that. The next step is maintain interest. So that's the I. So in the first phase, the attention of the potential customer is peaked and their interest in the product or service therefore should be aroused. <laughs> so an example could be some detailed information on the product is presented. For example, the product description on a website, a product brochure, flyer, photos, a video clip, ETC of the product. So on a website, you can track like what buttons people click and how they interact. So if you were to use a platform like Hotjar, which is shows a heat map of your website, or if you want to use Google Analytics, you could measure the percentage of people that have clicked the read more button or description button, especially when those websites have like the collapsible content. So that's a really good way to measure and measure interest. Don't you just think heat maps are so cool? Like, I think it's great. Yeah, have you used Hotjar before? I haven't personally, but in my last job, someone did and we saw everything. It is so, so cool. I don't know what they used, but they um, were doing things like eye tracking as well. And that was really fucking nifty. Yeah, I think it's like only a really small percentage of users get to the bottom of your, your web page. Yes. So the next stage is create desire. So this is the D the Ada model so if a user's interest in the product I can't say aroused again so I'll say it aroused <laughs> if a user's interested in the product it's down to uh, the brand to persuade the customer that they want to own this product so for example if you're a service-based business you would probably really want to capitalize on FOMO basically the the best case scenario the advertisement or the product itself creates that desire for the user to purchase so this is kind of really fits into impulse buying or it's like the if you're working at a charity this is kind of bringing in the emotional elements that pulls on the heartstrings it really makes people think yes i really need to invest or and support this organization i think desire it plays a huge part in our lives especially now i think people are becoming more materialistic and i think brands who work with students do this really well knowing that students don't necessarily have a lot of money but i think are slightly more careless with their money and i'm talking about like a general sweeping statement here for example like misguided and a pretty little thing they know that they don't have as much money but they're willing to spend yes and i think they really <laughs> use desire well. What do you think? Definitely. And they always know when the student loan drops. So they have special extra discounts for students. And especially H&M, like they only do discount at like the times of year when you get your student loan. So they did a two week period a couple of weeks ago and you have to spend a certain amount as well to get the discount in H&M. But everyone does it. Increase discount when the student loan drops because they know students have the money then. And they're going to want to save some money, but they're also going to want to spend it with this brand. And um, like they really do play on that really, really well. I didn't know that. That's so cool. That's really clever. So genius. Like, I love it because I've still got my student discount access, haven't I? So. Oh, that's amazing. It's like, um, it's like when you get those payday emails or something. Final step, Amber. Final step is take action. Action being A. Boom. So as soon as this desire to buy is <laughs> aroused, this must be transferred into an action. And that is the purchase. So Amber, do you think the ADA model is helpful for marketers? 
you know, yes, I think it's great to know as an instinct, but marketers would rarely incorporate their ADA model into campaign planning, you know? I think it's like you said with the Sostak, I think it's more instinctual and that we don't really think about it, but when we do, we're like, oh, it's a funnel or, yeah. So we always have these things at the back of our minds, but I just, yeah, again, I don't think about ADA. It's like second nature. Like, you know, when you have a shower, you know how you wash your hair. You're doing your marketing and you do what you do. <laughs> yes. So if anyone asks you to create something in Ada model, I think a funnel is a really good way. <laughs> I was expecting you to say, just tell them however you wash your hair is how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she could as well. Uh, you could break it down. Like, yes, well, attract tension would be wash. Then interest, shampoo, desire, condition, and maybe the last one would be rinse. Yeah. Or repeat. Yeah. But I do think there <laughs> is a point with the age model, which why I understand that they now talk about the wheel, because I think it's important as marketers to recognise that when people take action, they're not dead to us. Lots of brands have repeat customers. We have subscription models. So there is like a retention element there or something that does link in where a user will then have to go through the same cycle again. And if it's a subscription model, maybe they have to do this step every single month to make sure that they're really engaging with the product and the brand. I agree. Like, there is definitely... I don't think enough attention is paid into retention. For example, you know my gym job. They're putting a lot of focus at the moment in getting new customers, but they're not putting any focus into retaining the current customers. So everyone's leaving. And I'm like, you guys are idiots. Because you're not doing this, you're not doing that, you're not doing this. A lot of marketers don't even instinctually know about this, though, which is weird. Let's move on to the next element, which is... CPA, CPR, CPL. CPR. Stand alive, stand alive. <laughs> so CPA, CPR, and CPL essentially all mean the same thing. The original, the OG, is CPA, which stands for cost per acquisition. This is how much you pay for a conversion or action on your website. It doesn't even have to be on your website, it could be whatever action but let's use that as an example so this could be how much it costs to take someone to make a donation how much it costs for someone to sign up to your newsletter so this is the general term that we would use and if you're talking to a brand this is something that you'll really want to measure because then they'll be thinking about how they can scale if they know i have to pay 12 pounds for a booking for my restaurant that means if i want to fill the restaurant this is how much I need to pay so that's kind of really helpful and then the kind of elements of this are CPL which stands for cost per lead so basically the same thing but you're just being really clear that's lead and then cost per result is CPR again same thing but you just might want to change it based on who you're talking to I just want to say I've got nothing else clever to add to that because you said it all but I just want to say that did you know Google drives 90 95% of all paid search ad clicks on mobile. Well, that's a fun fact for you. Thank you. I actually didn't know that. That is mad. There isn't much information to really expand on here, guys and gals and theys. We just basically, that is how you break it down. And I think just make sure that you're including this on your reporting. My top tip, guys, there is, if you're not using it already, please use Data Studio. It's free and you can integrate it with Google Analytics and it means that you can control the data so you can 
choose the certain months that you're using that you're looking at and you can brand it so you can change the colors you can add images it's super snazzy and yeah it's a dream and if clients have money they will then pay for a plugin where they can get Twitter metrics to pull through, Instagram metrics to pull through. And it means you don't need to export and do reporting into spreadsheets, which takes up a lot of time. So top tip, girls. Girls, gays and theys. Amber's written that down. <laughs> Show it to your boss. And yeah, it will really help with reporting. And, it says... and then he'll be like, Amber, we're already using this. and you're fired. <laughs> Oof. Great. So let's move on to our last bit of jargon, which is ROI, which stands for return on investment. So ROI, I normally refer to it as ROAS, which is return on ad spend. So the difference is ROI is your your total, how much you've made in comparison to what you've spent. So this could not just include marketing, but overall outsourcing whereas ROAS is specifically I've spent this amount of money on advertising and this is how much I've made so for example if you spend £2,000 on Google ads and you made 4000 in income from that your return on ad spend would be two and in accounting terms that means two hundred percent does that make sense yes but I did have to stop and think about that for a second there so Amber, you said you're measuring conversions. Do you measure your ROI at Cortex? And Interestingly, no. Because, for example, if we do an awareness campaign, we are, and we get a lead, the lead might get something, but it also might not because it's got to be, it's difficult with, I think, my company because what we're selling isn't, it's not a bottle of nail varnish, it's a full-on package that's not cheap. And I don't think we can measure it because it's not, it doesn't go through the website. It's something that's like specifically tailored and yeah. Okay, that is a bit of a tricky one because then if it's specifically tailored, then it must be harder for you to know what channel they came through and what had the biggest impact. Well, we can track where they came from. For example, if they click on the UTM from our LinkedIn ad, then we can see, okay, well, they clicked there and they came through here to the contact us. So at least we know where they came from, mm. but we don't tie that then to a return on investment because it goes through to the sales team and it's like a bidding process. So because it's such a long process and then the prices alter and blah, 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 we just don't track it. What you may want to do is either by month or by quarter, measure how many leads you're generating and break that down by channel so whether it's paid LinkedIn organic and then you want to track so the cost per lead that's coming through so you kind of got an average for that and then you can also figure out you know what's bringing in the most leads at the lowest cost and then you want to match that up with your sales team hopefully they've got a good CMS so they can then say this is how many completed purchases they've had in that same time period and you can match up now it's not going to be exact because someone could have taken that initial action in January and not fully converted till April but it will give you an idea of roughly how much income you're generating and you probably won't be able to figure out from what channels but you can do the channels based on the leads and ideally the more leads you can get the easier it is for the sales team to do their job. Alice I feel like just giving up my job and giving it to you. Oh, God, I feel like such a, like, idiot. 
No, it, it's, it's a lot of work. And like, ideally, they would all communicate together and it would make your job a thousand times easier. But if you just choose time periods and then hopefully communicate with the sales team, we'll give you a rough idea because my little tip would like would be for measuring ROA, you should also consider how much you're you're paying for a marketer. So if an organisation has what? So how much I return on their investment? <gasps> well, kind of. I think I was thinking more of this for freelancers, really, because some organisations will say, oh, we really want this, but uh, we don't know if it's needed as a full time role. So we'll bring someone in for three months. So you say how much you're paying that freelancer for that three month period and then you kind of measure the results. So it might not be specifically conversions, but the value that's been added. So the number of followers, then you can break that down. Sort of the overall awareness. Obviously, there's going to be supporting metrics, but if it was just conversions, you can measure sort of the work they did through social and the leads they generated and how much like, yeah, your return on ad spend. Not your return on ad spend. Your return on amber spend. (laughs) Your return... (laughs) yes so that could also be done i don't know many organizations that factor in employees salary into that but i think it's a really good way of understanding effectiveness tell you what that would be a really like awkward one isn't it if they um because you're not supposed to know your colleague's salary are you and they're like this is how much it is Mm, yeah I was thinking more of, of like freelance. I've worked with a few organisations recently that are like want to bring on new roles, but they need to like present a proper business case for it. So they get money for a few months as a trial period. And it's like trying to talk to them about how they can really like define if that role has been successful and how they can. Because charities have to bring everything to their board of trustees for approval if it's like a strategic vision. So. If it's about bringing on a new team on social media analytics, then they need their trustees to sign off on that. So they need to then say, oh, this was effective because we had a freelancer on for three months and this is the work they did and this is what they generated for the organisation. You see my mind here, Alice? It's blown. (laughs) Was there any other ways that you sort of uh, used ROI in your previous roles, Amber? No. Fair enough. Neither really, because charity sector don't really... I wasn't allowed to spend things on my own. So, honestly, it was a ball ache to get anything done, because it was just, you have to get signed off by one person, and then another person, and then you could do it. And, yeah. Great, so that's basically our bit of jargon. I don't know how helpful that was, because, yeah, it was a bit of a weird episode. But hopefully that helps, guys. This was a really interesting episode, eh? It was for me anyway. I like hearing about your job. Yeah, I mean, my eyes feel open. And you know what? I don't feel as tired as I did at the start of the episode. I feel I feel like it's given me some energy. Do you feel aroused? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. <laughs> well, um... On that note, you can always uh, chat to us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and obviously OnlyFans um, at Digital Marketing Babes. <laughs> you can also catch up on our blogs by visiting our website www.digitalmarketingbabes.com. Please leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and feel aroused. It helps make our podcast visible so we can help more babes like you also feel aroused. God, this killed me. <laughs> Giggity, giggity, bye. Thanks for listening, guys.